0: With Scream Break, Spooky Land, Escape It, and the longest Horror Nights run ever, could 2023 be the year of year-round horror? That's coming up on today's show. Welcome to the show. I'm Philip. On the HAN Show, we bring the haunt industry to you every weekday. We have news, education, and on-location coverage from Halloween experiences around the world. Whether you're a professional or enthusiast, each episode helps you better prepare for Halloween. Outside of this podcast, we have videos, education, and even events. Links to everything we do are in the show notes. On Mondays, we break down large trends from the news and discuss why it matters to you in our weekly Green Tagged series co-hosted by Scott Swenson and myself. And check back tomorrow for our weekly Haunt news roundup. Okay, here's this week's installment of Green Tagged Theme Park in Thirty, from our studios in Los Angeles and Abu Dhabi. This is Green Tagged Theme Park in Thirty, and this week we're going to talk about horror year round.
1: Horror
0: horror, 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 horror. Well, we'll start off with I think the big news in at least the, this horror and theme park space, which of course is Universal Orlando in, uh, has announced their dates and their and some of their tickets for this year they're going to return september 1st through halloween and they announced right off the bat 44 nights which is their their record breaking seasons their longest initial announcement because you know how things these things go scott they like they announced this first wave of tickets which conveniently doesn't have any of the multiple night and the frequent fear passes or any of that and they'll usually add nights or you know they'll open or whatever but right off the bat they have announced 44 nights and it's really wednesday through sunday right off the bat i mean you can right now you can buy a ticket to that first wednesday after the event starts which is wednesday september 6th and that is uh, that alone is is um, a big deal i think it's going to really shape a lot of smaller events when they're looking at at their calendars but they haven't announced much else besides that there's going to be 10 all new movie quality haunted houses inspired by everything from top names in terror and pop culture to unfathomable original abominations. <laughs> I like how they said so many words that say nothing and uh, they'll have five scare zones along with food and they announced the RIP tours and the behind the scenes un- unmasking the daytime tickets and, and all that kind of stuff. So I mean, my takeaway. So basically
1: it's a full press release to say, Halloween Horror Nights is coming
0: back. Yeah. Well, I mean, I made a TikTok video about it. It did pretty good. But uh <laughs> so I boiled it down to what 45 seconds. But I think the big takeaways is we have the dates now, and that's important for a lot of reasons because I think just like when you start to see Halloween stuff appear in retail stores, you know, these signals really do kind of reverberate through the whole ecosystem that is halloween at theme parks and halloween in general and i think it's it's i think it's a big deal that from step one they're saying we're going to be open every wednesday in september and october that's a big deal
1: well and i think the thing you have to recognize is with halloween events if you have hit if you have hit your capacity on the the prime nights of friday and saturday Mm -hmm. you can't you cannot expand in those times, the only way to expand is to expand into other nights. Mm-hmm. So, in doing this, it sounds to me like a very clever way of uh, attempting to disperse the crowd. Um, and and I'm sure that that and I haven't looked at the pricing, but I, I'm sure that that the non-peak nights are uh, more. They're either if they're using the same basic strategy, they're either uh, cheaper to begin with, or there are deals that are only available on the the, the non-peak nights. Um, mm-hmm. And by announcing them right up front, you're not going to... Because ha- you're still going to have those people who are like, well, I only want to go on a Friday or Saturday mm-hmm. night. That's, that's going to be a given. And so if you're going to expand your market, the only way to do it in a limited run event like this is to add additional non-peak nights to try to you know, disperse that crowd a little bit. Um, Again, I, since based, based in Abu Dhabi now, um, this is the land when it comes to theme parks, this is the land of uh, record breaking, biggest, newest, fastest, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I love the fact that it's a, for a record breaking 44 nights. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. It's, you know, it's, it's a great marketing ploy. Um, there are some small haunts already that are starting, um, yes, there are starting to promote, uh, and, and starting to audition actually, even looking for, for talent, um, as early as June. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of that. I, I think that, you know, horror nights is recognizing that they don't have to just be locked into the month of October. Mm -hmm. Clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, they're also, I think continuing to test the waters, as are so many other parks, to see uh, can we do can we do either year round or multiple haunt pop up events throughout the course of the year. So they just they just keep expanding the the granddaddy and, and testing the waters with some others, which we'll talk about in this show.
0: Yeah, I, I'm curious from your perspective, Scott. Like, does does this change anything for a smaller independent attraction? as in do you think they should try opening up earlier in September or maybe trying a weekdays or I mean, does this change anything or is it just like universals doing this thing
1: because they're huge? Well, I think it depends I think it depends on a couple of factors. Um, with the smaller uh, with the smaller um, haunts out there or, or smaller you know events, uh, it depends on whether you leave your stuff set up your round. Mm. I mean, do you own the building you're in, or do you rent the space you're in? If you rent the space you're in, you know, you have to recognize by expanding, you're going to, uh, elevate your costs significantly. Um, and unless you've been selling out, I would not recommend necessarily trying to go toe to toe with, with universal as far as their season. Um, the other thing to keep in mind too is if you're in, you know, even if you're in the universal market, um, either California or Florida, you know, even if you're in the universal market, um, after that first rush of, of early adapters, that's the time that you have the opportunity to, to ride the wave, mm-hmm. so to speak. So I wouldn't suggest match, try to match them toe to toe, because you're going to lose. Um, you know, you, you've got a chance to go to Universal mm-hmm. Halloween Horror Nights or Bob's Haunted Hayride. Um, and if there is really a Bob's Haunted Hayride, sorry, I'm not being sarcastic. I just first you know it my is. head. <laughs> I'm sure there is somewhere. Uh, but if you, if you have the opportunity, you know, obviously universal is going to win, but if you, you know, universal has been open for two weeks and then Bob's haunted Hayride comes in and says, and now come see us, you know, uh, I think you've got a much better chance because they've already wet the appetite of, of Halloween goers of haunt goers. And, uh, and you're not going to compete with them toe to toe. So, should should every haunt out there now open on September first? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't, because I think that puts you in in too much of a competition line, uh, not only for for ticket sales but also for media attention. Mm-hmm. You know that there's going to be this deluge on social of everyone talking about their first night at Horror Nights or their first weekend at Horror Nights. So you know Bob's Haunted Hayride is going to be screwed because nobody's it's just going to get buried uh, in the in the noise. Yeah. So um, I think if you're strategic, that's, uh, you can, you can still get your hunt, your Halloween season going and make it something that works with your uh, attendance. You know, if you're, if you were sold out every single night last year, then yes, add a couple extra Wednesdays or Thursdays. I think that's a great idea. Um, The, if you, if you weren't, then there's nothing wrong with what you're doing just you know make sure that it, it justifies your your business decisions are justified by your your overage or underage when it comes to ticket sales
0: farmer bob's hunted hayride is in missouri <laughs> um uh, just- i apologize <laughs> farmer Bob. um so that, there's that um so i think my perspective and
1: what did you like free free mention from somebody just completely randomly. There you go. There you go. So you Start your marketing our life, on your In Missouri. If anyone's seen it, let us know because we'd love to know more. About in Eureka, Missouri. So, there
0: you go. So, I agree with most of that. I, I think I would just add the caveat. I agree with you. It's highly dependent on your infrastructure are you building your round or not, Whatnot, But I, I think there's a lot of room to open earlier, even if you're opening on a Saturday. And I think the big reason for me is, you know, getting that media out there because, you know, horror nights will, will, will take like the first two weeks, right. Of September now, now Mm -hmm. we have their list. So we know, but that's only really in the Orlando market. You know, if, if you're in California or in Texas or kind of in, in an area, we'll talk about this a little bit more about what markets might work. But I think, um, I just think that, again, it sometimes it takes media maybe up to two weeks to put out something, and if you're opening in October and then you get they come out your opening night and the, but then the coverage doesn't drop for two more weeks, it doesn't do you any good because it's coming out when you're already going to be selling out. So I would say even if you or if you're opening for dress rehearsal and to get your stuff down pat and to get your media, I think that would be worth it. But, but then again, to your point, if you don't own the building and you're having to add an extra Extra, a lot of extra cost to rent it out for maybe low ticket sales. But I think you can, I, I think my point is, I think you can get people out there and you could make it worth it. You know, you can get friends and family out and you can get media out and that's worth it just to, cause I've, you know, we've all been to those events where, you know, it takes them to, it takes them a while to get into the groove. And then by the time they get into the groove, it's
1: over. So, wow. Um, right. I, I guess my point is expand, expand out of need. Don't expand because Universal did it. Yeah, yeah. That's That's my point.
0: point. So (laughs) all these stories are related, but it's just kind of funny uh, when you're saying don't expand because Universal did it. But so Hershey Park in Hershey, Pennsylvania, their Dark Nights are expanding this year. They're returning starting September 15th and going through October 29th. And they're going to, basically they're adding more Fridays Uh, Friday evenings to the 2023 event. Uh, This year it's going to have four haunts and three scare zones with themed food and beverage exclusive to the event. So, same seems like they're going down the same route and they are bringing it back, which we were, which was actually in question. You know, we were, we were, we were wondering in our episode about that. Uh, So, they're starting early. You know, I mean, for a regional park to start Halloween on September 15th is early for, you know, for.
1: But again, exactly what I'm saying, if they're, if they are, um, and I, and I, I, this is anecdotal. I've heard this kind of through the grapevine, but, um, they, they did very well last. Yeah. They did very well last time out. And so the reason they're adding those Fridays is they've recognized what I talked about at the very beginning, they can't, you can't add additional bodies to a Saturday night, or you don't really want to, um, because then it just starts to degrade the quality of the experience. And then people won't come back the following year, or there won't be repeat visitation. So, as you say, they're adding Friday, e- more Friday evenings. So that means they're adding the, in essence, the second tier, yeah, second tier. of yeah. uh, of prime nights, and uh, and they're and they're expanding the right way.
0: Well, let's change gears a little bit now. Still so keep on the same thing. I want to talk about some of the events that I have gone to, and they're all spooky ish events that are happening right now that march and april and this is again the same theme of expanding the horror to a year round and seeing what's possible kind of pushing the different areas and so um the three events i've been to since kind of we last did a episode are screen break at six flags of course escape it in vegas and springtopia and their spooky land which is also in los angeles so Starting with screen break, I didn't get anybody on the record there, but we did go through and experience everything. We have a video that you can watch on our YouTube about that. But w- I actually so remember what we talked about this, and we were we were like, it all's in the execution. I have to say, mm-hmm. wow, I was impressed, and that is uh, something that does not. I don't say. I mean, that's not a common thing for me. I think you know to, to say, but I was impressed, I was mainly impressed of how. I guess I thought it, they were just gonna open like just open the mazes and then just kind of like have at it but they actually they did re-theme both mazes and they made a narrative story that tied together the zones and the houses together and so the premise is it is it is screen break but it's happening during spring break and you are. Going there to basically a, a monster college party, and your job is first you go through initiation at Vol 666, and that is where you are going to try and pledge into a fraternity and sorority, and you're you're pledging. So you're going through these initiations. The characters actually ask you, "What are you going to do for us? How like why should we accept you? Why should you join? What are you going to be useful for?" Um, then you proceed to go into the house party, which is after you've been accepted and initiated into the fraternity or sorority, you go into the house party there. And then so you exit those two and you exit into the the, I guess the like screen break uh scare zone, which is the main scare zone. And that's where you're having all the monsters dressed in their screen, everybody, every, every cut, every character was themed for like monsters on spring break and you saw like the the old we we had a margarita which we met and she was an older uh an older kind of mom who was kind of crashing the kid's party. And of course she was, she was drunk off of her margaritas and she, and then, you know, you had the, you had the fraternity signs, you had people that were there, the jocks. I mean, you really like, it was, it was very well done to take these monsters and put it in this scenario. And then the next scare zone was rave, which is, it was, it was a big rave that was themed as grave. So it's just like a spooky rave basically. And, you know, I think, Some people had the criticism of it wasn't scary at all. And I'm like, yeah, because it's in March. And the fact that it was so different from their regular event because they were able to theme everything and the fact that it had a narrative shell. And also, we've talked about this a lot too. You know, it was just a fun event because it was monsters at a party and it it was this whole party theme. And I, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. And it seemed to me that the target market... Was really enjoying it, and uh, a few other things to note too. Since we last reported on this story, but they ended up, they did end up allowing pass holders to attend. So if you're in the park and you're a pass holder, you can go up to guest services or go up to a little window and you can get like a band that lets you stay that night. Um, It's unclear if you can do that online or how. Like we've only heard of people staying in the park when they're already there and getting the band on. So I'm not sure if if you can purchase it online or how that works. And also they, they made the parking free after seven 30. So really you're not paying for parking. You're just paying the event ticket. If you don't have an annual pass and you're showing up and if you're an annual pass holder, then you just get the band. And then you can, if you're there for the whole day, then you can stay extra and enjoy the party vibe. Um, and just an aside, I will also say that I thought that the costume and makeup was pretty exceptional. I thought that the they did a great job of the airbrushing and, and the prosthetics and making sure that everything kind of fit, you know, and they had great, great Q line actors, great acting, great improv, you know, just, you know, and they made up little sayings like rave to the grave, baby, you know, and they're, I mean, they're just, they're just, it, I thought it was, it was fun. It was fun. And I thought it was, it was a cohesive
1: theme so again i did not attend um but in, in all the stuff that you've told me i i guess my first question is will these characters be scary now that they have been parodied and because that's in essence what i think you're you're yep. describing here is they yep. have been parodied to take terrifying monsters and put them into a um college yeah okay. fraternity sorority environment yeah um so you you've created this fun playful party have you now undermined their scariness when they come back in Halloween? So that is a great
0: question. We even asked that question a little bit ourselves when we were there at the event. I think it comes down to, you know, whether or not they're going to bring back this area for Halloween. You know, it's entirely possible they just retire the characters altogether. Like, you're not going to meet Margarita at Fright Fest. You know, she's only here at Screen Break because she's on you know she's she's crashing her her son's
1: fraternity party. Mhm. Mhm. And and don't misunderstand me. I love the idea of in essence making it a another themed event. Yeah. Um but but it's clearly not from what you've described, it's clearly not a horror event. No. It's clearly not a a scary element, it's a fun party element. So yeah. it's it's sort of like spring break with monsters, which I mean, I know that's like duh, but, uh, so I could, I can understand that if you went into it with a, with a haunt mentality, you'd be disappointed because as you said, there were people who feel that it's not scary enough. Um, but it's, it's, it just comes down to branding and then how much they want to reutilize these characters and try to bring them back and make them scary. And if they do that, will that be successful? And I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. Um, it could go one of two ways. It could be that in Halloween, you know, in the Halloween season, yes, they are scary. And, Mm -hmm. uh, um, but if someone, if someone interacted with these monsters as the, the jocks or the, the nerds or the cheerleaders or whatever, um, they may also just go, Oh wait, weren't you the, weren't you the nerd? Or weren't you the jock that made me laugh and we danced and we had a party moment. Um, so I'm, I'm curious again, to see how this goes. In the long run, um, all of that said, I think it's great that the execution was good. I yeah. think it's great that they chose to um, brand this as its own element. Um, I'm just curious to see how it moves forward and how, it, if they are able to shift it back to Halloween, or if they even try to.
0: Yeah, that's. Uh, so we talked about a while back about this this challenge, right? That the theme park cons, especially the Six Flags. And Bush and you know th- those events are having that target the younger crowd of basically, I think the way you put it, Scott, was you know there, there's like a ceiling on how extreme you can get, and then you know you combine that with you don't really want to s- kind of scare or do too much to this younger demographic just because you want to you you, w- you don't want them to be safe, right? You want them to be safe, and 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 so there's this this clash between like you know the ceiling of what we can do and that, and I actually I thought this was the most promising model I have seen for solving that that particular conundrum of let's just not, let's just make it fun. Like, you know, we're, we're not trying to push the envelope and make it the most extreme, scariest thing that a teenager has ever seen. We're just going to make it a fun environment. We're going to get them dancing and we're going to get them taking a bunch of pictures with the people and that's what we're going to do. And we're going to add those elements of you talking to the characters in the f- in the fraternity houses are trying to get initiated and going through like hazing. <laughs> we're just going to put that in there. And I, I, I am so curious to see if they're going to try and work that into Halloween to your point or not. But I do think that this is a potential solution to that, that, that kind of that problem of you, you just can't get any more extreme. So stop trying. Just focus on making it fun.
1: It's certainly a, it's certainly a, a way to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, so anyway, another uh way to go. Uh I Escape It, which is the world's only officially licensed It experience has opened in Las Vegas and I went to get a sneak peek of the experience. And you know, the the producer is a Jason Egan from Egan Productions and he is a longtime haunter and he he ha- had his own haunt and then he did He managed the Fright Dome at Circus Circus, and he's also produced a lot of high-capacity traditional haunts. He did the Five Nights at Freddy's haunts. He did the Halloween haunt. He did the Saw experiences as well. So he's no stranger to haunts and uh, also working with IPs. And he kind of put together this al- also equally tremendous experience. You know, it's it's a 90-minute... Experience. I, don't, I hesitate to even call it an escape room. It's kind of a ninety-minute horror experience that has sixteen rooms and full-scale sets. I mean, they're they're fourteen-foot sets, and you're you're going into the full-size Naibold house, and you're seeing iconic scenes from the movie. But basically, we. W- yeah, I had an interesting discussion with him, and he kind of talked about the reason he transitioned from Haunts into this is because a IPs are important. You need like you need that touch point to people because it sells and b because it's year-round and he believes that certain markets specific markets have the ability to do year-round horror and he thinks like la vegas kind of some of those places like that but that it would not work in most markets and it's a lot of uh, looking at at the local interests and demographics and matching that up with the tourism numbers that are coming in but essentially he's saying if it's a place that gets a lot of tourism some percentage of that tourism will be interested in horror. And so it's just kind of a an equation in that way. Um, but it, it's a very interesting experience because it's so long. The capacity is only 30 people kind of per side right now and priced at 45 to 55 per ticket or per, per person. So it's it's the same vein that we're talking about of kind of doing this year round horror experience in here, working with IP, the importance of IP, the importance of story. So. I thought it was fantastic, though. I mean, it really is an immersive thing. I mean, you show up, and there is not a sign that says escape it anywhere. You arrive to the parking lot, and you are outside the Dairy Public Works Department. It says Dairy Public Works on the side. And you enter the Dairy Public Works Department, and you go in just like it's a regular works department, and you meet with a public works representative, and she's like, oh, are you here to help us find the missing children? <laughs> and, and you get a sign to help find the missing children from the Dairy Public Works Department. And that's that's what starts your journey. And you're going through the movie, but you're doing it kind of in a, in a parallel way, like an adjacent story. You're not running into the the Losers Club. You know, you're doing a parallel story where you're trying to do investigative work for the Dairy Public Works Department. So it, it, it's it's good. It's done well
1: yeah it sounds great I'm you know it's funny because've I've been in the the preliminary preliminary research for a couple of different haunt-like experiences in Vegas mm-hmm. and um, I agree I agree with Jason in the fact that um, if there are certain markets that I think haunt will work on paper Vegas looks like it is one of them and yet it still hasn't quite caught on um there's there are some there are some that but it's not been it's not been tremendously ongoing or tremendously successful or expansive, um, and I and I'm I'm curious. I hope it works because from what you said, you know this sounds like it's a great experience and it's something that that should continue to move forward. And what will help is, of course, the the it IP yeah. is is strong um, and recognizable and recognizable whether you are a haunt fan or not. Um, Mm -hmm. so I, I, I hope, I hope he's right. Um, there are, but like I said, there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot of data out there that, that makes it look like Vegas is a phenomenal market and yet no one's really cracked it yet. So
0: I think that's, that was kind of his point though, with exactly what you said is creating kind of horror experiences where you're not, you're not necessarily targeting haunt fans you know you're targeting like right. or people that like the ip the horror and and that that's kind of the reason the ip is so important and you know i i tend to agree again like look at i i, I just think that's a interesting take on it and like uh, all these trend lines i think are related basically
1: mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: so, Springtopia Fest, we also talked about this. We poured this story earlier uh, when the news first broke about it. And I just went before rec- we were recording this. So, just immediately before I got on the phone with Scott, I just came back from the event. It was their opening night. And of course, Springtopia Fest is an, a pop up event that's in a parking lot of a mall. And it is seven themed lands with amusement park rides added on. And it's about roughly 200,000 square feet. And their spooky land is a land within Springtopia Fest, and it is two mazes and kind of a scare zone that joins in the middle of it. So again, it's, it's, we're putting scare mazes in, but we have this, this more generic, fun architecture built up around it, right? It's similar to, the, to all these things that we're talking about where there's this, broad, there's this, there's this um, attempt to make it a broader appeal. In, in all kind of, all of these examples that we're seeing. And uh, the thing I thought was interesting about the Springtopia Fest is that it's actually produced by the Valley Fright Nights team, which I didn't know before going there and before talking to the team there. And the Valley Fright Nights was a summer event that debuted last year, was a summer scare maze event that was standalone. So they have now, what they're now doing, again, it's the same type of thing. They're producing this whole Springtopia Fest event that is like a celebration of spring that has a spooky element to it. And they plan on bringing back their Valley Fright Nights event for year two in July, at the end of July as well. Um, And just interesting because this year they partnered with Fever to be able to put on the event. And so clearly that there's, you know, there's the ability to get the partners and bring this all together. Um I talked to them about how they chose the different zones and they they said really they were just looking for something that was novel the novelty component like what have people not done before you know there's usually a petting zoo but there's not like a puppy specific area where it's only puppies so
1: and everybody loves puppies yeah, everybody you know, loves like us that. yes yeah it was a very popular area I mean, it it sounds it sounds a lot like it, it sounds a lot like the um a more a more immersive and a little bit more robust version of what I used to refer to as the Instagram museums. Yes. Um, yeah. it, it, it sounds a lot like let's let's capture this for social media. Let's get our TikTok videos. Um, let's it's it's a it's a content creator's dream because you've got you've got multiple lands, multiple backgrounds, multiple experiences, and you can get a whole bunch of a whole bunch of video clips and and uh, and and posts a bunch of content. Mm-hmm. A bunch of content, yeah. I, uh, I, w- I will be honest. This of the three, this is the one that seems that I at uh, based on my likes and dislikes would be least interested in. Um, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I'm not the target market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, you know, I accept, I accept and embrace that. Uh, <laughs> de- yeah, it's it, interesting. I, 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 the only thing that that concerns me about the approach of well, we just want to do things that weren't really done before is sometimes when you try to be something to everyone, you're nothing to anyone. Yeah. And I, and I think that, that is, I'm not saying they've crossed it. I cannot say that because I was not there, but, um, I, I think that is the concern with, um, both, both this story and the story about screen break, you know, are they, are they trying to, um, on paper be, um, there's one thing to broaden your demographic which or broaden your broaden your market which i agree with however broaden it in an adjacent way don't Mm -hmm. don't try to be everything to everyone because again then you don't really target anybody yeah um i'm not saying that's what they're doing because that's my 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 cautionary tale there i i i agree with that um i do think that
0: it is tough right because you you're when you're trying to make each zone novel, then to your point, it's like, how do we make a, th- a through line that makes sense? You know, even if you're celebrating spring, spooky, isn't really like Santa and, and scare mazes aren't necessarily part of spring. So it's a little bit, I, I think that, that, that theming narrative is, it's tough to balance. I think of all of them, I think screen break did the best job because again, it's like, I think it's closer to what you're talking about because they have the assets already. They already have a piece of their mm-hmm. market, which is haunt fans that go there for that event. As as the as you know, the the president mentioned in his talk about the expansion of of uh, Fright Fest, and I think they're basically taking it and saying, "What if we? What if people could come to enjoy our mazes in the off season without worried about it being so scary that they couldn't bring." their younger nephews or cousins, you know, what if we made it a dialed down version in the off season? We just have fun, teens having fun. Like a teen, it felt like a teen dance. It really Mm -hmm. was like, especially the grave area. I was like, I can't even hear my thoughts right now. And there's a lot of lasers and this guy, the monsters are just like dancing with people. You know, they're, they're dance challenging people and like, it's, it's not, so I, I think that's the closest one. I think, I think when I got there, I was like, oh, this is much more strategic than I had originally reported on because just the idea of how do we, how do we get them more interested in coming to haunt? Well, we, we show them a toned down version in this time period and kind of ease them into this culture. And so I, I thought that was, uh, of all of them, it that seems the most strategic.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I'm curious, I, I would like to, I'm, I, I think we need to continue to follow this because I'm curious to see by doing a toned down version, is it creating a new product yep. or is it a gateway drug to an existing product? Yep. And I'm not sure which the answer is because I've seen it go both ways. So anywho, um, sp- speaking of going, it's time for us to go. Um, that, Oh, that was one of the weakest segues I think I've ever done in Wah- my entire uh- life. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was, it was spooky. That segue was so bad. It was scary. And so we're going to end our show on being scary. Uh, on behalf of Philip Hernandez with Gantam Lighting and the Haunted Attraction Network, and myself, Scott Swenson from Scott Swenson Creative Development, this is Green Tag Theme Park in 30, and we will see you next week.
0: Today's episode was produced and edited by me, Philip Hernandez, with post-production by David Swope. Support for this episode comes from Gantam Lighting and Controls. See what you're missing with a free demo. Sign up at gantam.com demo. We release a free weekly industry newsletter. Sign up on our website or at the link in our show notes. The Haunted Attraction Network team includes Daryl Plunkey, Emily Luis Rua, Megan Spells, Gavin Burns, and Maximus Bryant. Our partner stations include A Scott in the Dark, Scare Track, The Scare Factor, and Haunt Topic Radio. Finally, please, please, please rate and subscribe to our show wherever you're listening. And until next time, haunters, stay scary. This is a haunted attraction network product.